So, I need to emphasize that uh, Rabahab was not brought up in the Jewish faith. You know, she was from Jericho. So, as the story goes on, she was an early convert, really, to the faith. So, let's go back to the story then. So, the spooks, two spies, lodged at her house. And we don't know how long they were there, but their presence became known to the king, who demanded that Rahab bring the men out. Now, she was in a dilemma here now, isn't she? She's got to be faithful to the king and faithful to these two men. We are looking at, in terms, Jericho has been a city of sin and the two men representing uh, goodness or God's sight. Yet she is, perhaps, you might imagine, torn. But she chose... I've lost it. She chose to lie to the king. She betrayed the city that she lived in. Saying, and what she said was, she didn't know who they were, but they had already gone. And not only that, she sent the king's men out on a false trail to look up to find these men. And furthermore, we find that in fact she'd hidden them up in the roof. This is an absolutely audacious thing to do, isn't it? And my guess is that had she been found out, without doubt, she would have been executed. So she took a massive risk. And you've got to ask, why? Why was it worth risking her life to protect these two spies, whom she didn't really know? And I think that she understood something that the other inhabitants of Jericho had failed to grasp. She understood that the success of the Israelites was due to God and the Israelites' faith in their God. The people of Jericho had witnessed previous events and were terrified of the Israelites. But they didn't have that understanding that Rahab had. And so they persisted in the ways that they were accustomed to. They had their own gods, idols, talismans, call it what you want, ways that offended God. They were frightened, but they hoped that they would be saved by their false gods. And Rahab, on the other hand, did have that understanding of a true God and she wanted to be part of it. She was willing to risk her life to be part of it. That's some faith, isn't it? And in this text, she demonstrates some of that understanding when she says to the spies, I know the Lord has given you this land. She's recognizing the power of God. And maybe even more so uh, about the influence of their, that God on the Israelites. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord 
This is what she says to them. Now, please swear to me by the Lord. She knows that if she can get an agreement where they have sworn to the Lord, that agreement will be binding. And later they say to her at the end of that story, if you tell what we're doing, we will be released from that oath that you made us swear. She accepts this. She has accepted the rule of the Israelite God. And we know from the stories it goes on that the men are lowered out of the window and they make their escape. And if we were to continue reading, we would also find that after Jericho collapsed, uh, she and her family were rescued. And if we were to read way further on into the New Testament, in Matthew 1, we find in the genealogy of Christ, we find the name Rahab. And so with God, it is possible to go from sinner to a great honour. <laughs> Imagine what an honour it is to be an ancestor of Jesus. And it's a message, really, that no matter what we've done, we can start again. And I just want to spend a couple of minutes looking at this story in a slightly different way. Jericho was a city in which people, they lived in a way that offended God. And they built city walls to defend themselves against attack from their enemies. And the city walls, of course, are defensive structures. And the Israelites, people of God, of course, were one of their enemies. But what I'm getting round to is that we as individuals also create defensive structures. We create barriers to keep people at bay, to protect a vulnerable part of ourselves from perceived attack. And perhaps perceived attack from others, but maybe perceived attack from ourselves. Because we can be quite harsh on ourselves at times. We think that maybe we're not good enough. But these defensive structures can become a prison. And Jericho, in that sense, had become a prison to Rahab. We can be trapped by our own defensive system of self-defeat and lies, self-deceit and lies. And this, for me, I think, is where Rahab was. I've read uh, in other places, and in a little bit I'm going to read to you in a shortly, that perhaps she was a particularly beautiful uh, woman and maybe traded by her father to the king uh, in receipt of favours. And that's conjecture, I have to say. But she was trapped by circumstances that maybe didn't really suit her, but she prospered financially if not psychologically. Perhaps there was always a hankering for something else, a different way of living. And I note that her house was embedded in the city wall, the boundary, a boundary between what went, in Jer what went on in Jericho and the boundary between what went outside, a boundary between good and evil. Those sorts of concepts, if you like. And 
there is a sense that her life was conducted inside the city, but that window, you know, the window that she hung the scarlet ribbon out of, the window through which the skies, the spies escaped, that afforded her an alternative view. A life, perhaps, that she aspired to. Maybe she didn't know how to break out of this life that she was living. And I think we've all been there. We're doing things and we go, oh, how are we going to stop doing this? When the spies arrived, she was given an opportunity. And she acted. It wasn't easy. It was inherently risky. But she took that risk. And for me, that's key, really. God isn't interested in your past. Or perhaps I should really say, he's not interested in the sins of your past. He is interested in what you might become. But you have to take the risks. You have to take the knockbacks and the responsibility. And I think this element is nicely expressed. I don't know, I imagine quite a lot of you read uh, this book, A Lineage of Grace by Francine Rivers. It's a story. I'll just read a little bit from, uh, from there. Uh, but the two spies are very unsure of Rahab. They're not really sure of her motivation and, and what she's saying. And so they're, they're quizzing her in the story. And she can sense this. And one of the statements in the story she says, is, you can ask me anything you want. Now, if you think about defences that we have and we create, in that statement, they were ripped away. Rather than have her defences pulled down, she dismantled them. And what we see is that led the way to a useful communication in which then eventually she became part of the Israelite family. I'll just read that bit. Now I've got to accept and make a statement. This is not the Bible. Um, So uh, Ephraim seemed determined to keep her in her place. So they're interrogating her really. Ephraim is one of the spies. But you have gods of your own. Hmm. Wooden statues of no earthly use, she said disdainfully. Did you see any in my chamber? Ephraim looked uncomfortable. Go on down, she said, gesturing down the ladder. Open the cabinets. Look behind the curtains under the bed. Search anywhere you wish. You will not find any talismans in my possessions. I lost faith in the gods of my people long ago. Why? The Hebrews seemed intent on testing her. So be it, she thought. She was more than willing to comply. Because they couldn't save me. They're just things made by men. And I know how weak men are. She spread her hands in a gesture of appeal. said, I want to live among your people. Ephraim frowned. And looked at Salmon, who was the other spy. And Salmon leaned forward slightly. You must understand that we have laws. Laws given to us by God himself. 
I would like to know these laws. And she felt some message passed between the two men and sensed that it would affect her greatly. Salmon considered her for a moment and then said quietly, there are laws against fornication and adultery. Of course, don't forget she was a prostitute. Ephraim was not so gentle in his condemnation of her profession. Prostitution is not tolerated and anyone found practicing will be executed. Rahab remembered how she had hung out out of the window and called down to them as she hundreds of times before. Heat poured into her face. Never before had she felt such self-loathing. No wonder they had hesitated. No wonder they wouldn't eat food from her table. No wonder they wouldn't drink a drop of her water. She was filled with shame. I didn't choose this lifestyle, she said in quick defence. I was presented to the king by my father when I was a girl and I had no say. She stopped when she saw Salmon's face grimace. What did it matter how she had come to be what she was? She had sensed from the beginning that it was wrong. What did it matter that she had just been a girl and had to do as she was told? Did that excuse her from continuing in that profession? These past few years and gaining wealth from it? No. She frowned and looked away, feeling the Hebrew's perusal. She looked at them again, calm and accepting. If God loathed prostitution, then I am done with it. Some arose and walked away, and he said, It's time for us to leave. We have served our purpose in coming. And what that little story, for me, is is really saying about letting our defences down, and that really opens up channels for real understanding between people and between our relationship uh, with God. But you can have sinned, but you must let go of those previous sins and turn away from them. And she was prepared to do that, and she took big risks in doing that. So, although it's true that we all fail, it's worth remembering we can fail successfully. How? By learning from our failures, as she did, and growing stronger and wiser through them. And so I say to you again, God is not interested in your past failures, but in what you might become. And perhaps we might spend a minute or two just thinking about things that we're not quite getting right in our lives and how we might make those some changes.
still. Lord Jesus, we know that we get things wrong. Sometimes it is in foolish error, and at other times it is out of disregard because it is convenient or it suits our immediate need. Sometimes we're like Rahab. We have developed lifelong bad habits that are almost hidden to us. We feel uncomfortable, but we don't really understand why. We ask that you find a way to reveal those errors to us so that we might correct our ways. We ask, Lord, that when we bring our sins to you, that you will not only understand and forgive our weaknesses, but we ask that you might help us to find the strength that we may do what is right by you and not convenient to ourselves. Help us to learn from Rahab's story. And we note in particular how courageous she was in risking her life to protect God's servants. Lord, we saw that the Israelites and Rahab put their faith into action. Help us to recognize and really feel that faith and action are inseparable. As James said, faith without action is dead. Amen.